Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Here's your host, Danny Burke. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time to get ready for Thursday Night Football heading into NFL Week 11, and we've got you covered here on VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Burke, but as always, to preview Thursday Night Football, you know, we got the man in here himself, Matt Humans at MattHumans247, where you can follow him along on Twitter. You can also catch him hosting Saturday Bet Prep on VEASAN, midnight to 3 a.m. Eastern Time. That's Friday at midnight heading into Saturday, and then Saturday night, 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern, called Sunday Bet Prep. Some of the best minds in the biz talking both college and and NFL. But of course, we are talking NFL here, and we're looking forward to the matchup with Green Bay and Tennessee come Thursday night. And Matt, it looking looking like it's going to be a chilly one, right? A vintage Lambeau Field, uh, mid to late season type of atmosphere. Windier game at 10 miles per hour, right in the, in the minimum of the double digits. But the spread has shown some love for Green Bay. They opened a point favorite. They're now up to three. Even some spots, South Point has three in the hook. Uh, total opened at 41 and barely ticked up to 41 in the hook at some shops. Uh, what do you call this here, Matt? Is this Green Bay kind of getting on the right track? Is it recency buys from them winning or are they just the better team? What's causing this line movement? It could be a combination of all those factors. I like the Packers. I was on with Mitch Moss and Paul Howard Tuesday morning and I, I said the Packers minus three is a play for me this week. And, uh, you know, I debated last week. Danny, all week, am I going to take the points with the Packers against the Cowboys? And I finally talked myself into it, I think, by sometime on Friday. And 
I'm glad I did because obviously they, they came back from a two-touchdown deficit in the fourth quarter to win. And I think uh, that might be what the Packers need to uh, to get some positive vibes going. And uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of talked about that after the game, too. He said he had a good feeling all week about things were going to turn. And uh, I think he's got a good feeling now about where the Packers can go headed down the stretch. I'm going to give you a couple numbers uh, here in a, in a couple minutes about the Packers and about Thursday night trends that are really interesting. But uh, what, I, what I like about the Packers fundamentally is they got back to what you and I were talking about on this podcast for weeks. You got to run the ball. And you got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon run the ball. You got physical backs. You got a physical offensive line when healthy when David Bakhtiari's there. And that was a little bit of an issue, too. But they ran 39 times for 207 yards against a good Dallas defense. And I think when you're that effective running the ball, it's obviously going to open up some things for the passing game. And Rodgers only threw it 20 times. 14 for 20, 224 yards, three TDs, no picks. He didn't make any of the dumb throws he made against Detroit the previous week. Only took two sacks. I think the Packers had a really smart game plan. They executed it, and I expect them to stick with that plan against Tennessee. And the Titans are a banged-up team similar to the Packers. But the difference, biggest difference I see in these teams is Rodgers can be a, a dynamic playmaking quarterback and the Titans are getting pathetic quarterback production. It doesn't matter if it's uh, going to be Malik Willis or Ryan Tannehill for my money. Uh, I'd like to bet against the Titans. I think Mike Vrabel's done a great job making chicken salad out of you-know-what because uh, they traded away A.J. Brown. They don't have any uh, playmaking receivers. Done a really good job, I think, of uh, building a solid defense and just uh, – kind of uh, focusing on the running attack and what Derrick Henry can do to carry that offense. But, you know, a one-dimensional offense only goes so far. I think the Titans should be fairly easy to defend. I don't know why they're not easier to defend, but they played a low-scoring game against the Broncos last week, 17-10. Not much of a surprise, uh, but there was a lot of sharp money fading the Titans in that spot. So I think if you were fading the Titans a week ago with Fat Russ and the Broncos, how do you not fade the Titans this week with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at Lambeau? Is, is that the new name for Russell now, Fat Russ? That's what I call it. Yeah, that's what I call him. <laughs> he looks fat and slow, and uh, his song is lame, and his dance is out of style. I'm getting really sick of his act off the field, too. <laughs> All right, so we'll be shipping a Russell Wilson jersey to Matt Eumann's residence as soon as possible. We'll have Fat Russ on the back of it instead of Wilson. So it'll be the custom jersey for you. Uh, that'll be, be good. Fair, <laughs> I have to be fair. I, I can't be a hypocrite. I'm, I'm fatter than Russell Wilson, okay? I, I'm 6'4", and I weigh 250. So uh, I'm fat and slow, too, so I can call Russell. Fair enough. And, hey, he's getting paid a considerable amount of money, so uh, he can get the criticism every now and then. But, uh, Matt, you bring up some really good points for this game, and I do tend to lean with Green Bay in this spot, such as you are. I do want to throw some numbers out there, though, that just caught my attention. So I always like to refer to DVOA, and we talk about Green Bay's defense hasn't necessarily lived up to the hype that they were perceived to have coming into this season. Where they've really struggled has been against the run. They're 30th against the run according to DVOA they're allowing a buck 41 on the ground per game that's 26 
4.8 yards per carry, which is 28th. And you talk about Tennessee, incredibly one-dimensional. So it's either they're going to expose that or Green Bay can game plan enough to at least contain Derrick Henry, but some numbers to consider. On the other side, you're right. You and I have been clamoring for Matt LaFleur to just figure it out. Give the ball to Aaron Jones, who's averaging over like five yards per carry. They finally did that against Dallas, and guess what happened? It was successful, and it worked, and he rushed for like a buck 39 on the ground. Or yeah, buck 38 on 24 carries for one touchdown. They end up winning the game. But the issue here is that Tennessee has a number one ranked DVOA run defense, limiting opponents to 85 total rushing yards per game, which is second, 3.9 yards per carry, which is third. So uh, I still think Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, the two-headed back threat, is good enough to move the ball. I don't know how dominant it's going to be, but I think it'll still be sufficient in controlling the time of possession. And then, like you said, kind of setting up the passing uh, for Green Bay, which is also where they usually make their cake when you have a guy in Aaron Rodgers. The Packers get about 5.6 yards per play. Titans averaging five themselves, so a little bit of discrepancy there. And then just one other thing I want to throw out there and, you know, take it into account as much as you want. Uh, this is just for more total purposes. Tennessee scoring in the red zone, a touchdown being when they get in a red zone, over 76% of the time, which is actually first in the NFL, Green Bay scoring a touchdown when they get in the red zone just 52% of the time, which is 24th. So, again, I know it may not factor into some people's handicaps, but I do like to throw out some of those discrepancies and some of the more important facets with those numbers. But, Matt, I do agree with you. I kind of like Green Bay. Now that it's at three, I don't know if I'm necessarily rushing to bet it. Um, I may be waiting for an in-game spot. I'll tell you another angle I have, but you did say you had some numbers yourself. So I want to hear what you got dealt for us in terms of your notable numbers for this spot. Well, these are not advanced analytics. I just think these are interesting trends. Uh, the Packers were four and six. The last time they were four and six was 2016. That team went on to win eight straight games and go to the NFC Championship game. I got that from NFL on CBS. Kind of forgot about that, that the Packers had been four and six that season before ripping off eight straight wins. Uh, Mark Lawrence of uh, Playbook Sports, playbook.com, he, uh, he's a trends guy. He's a, he's a trends handicapper, angles and trends. And I thought this was interesting. Not that uh, it's a reason I'm playing the game or anything, but the Packers are 7-0 and straight up and ATS on their last seven Thursday games. The Titans are 0-4 straight up and ATS on their last uh, four Thursday games. So there you go. Just a couple of interesting trends to throw out there. Not that uh, that's reason to bet it, but uh, I just thought it's something to talk about. I, I like the Packers regardless, and I think that when you're facing a, an offense that's as one-dimensional as Tennessee's offense is right now. Even if the numbers indicate your run defense is weak, your run defense should be a lot better in a game like this because you don't have to worry about the same passing threat. You should be able to put exactly. nine guys nine guys in the box and say, hey, they don't have a big-time receiver who can beat us deep and stretch the field. Uh, let's focus everything here on putting nine guys in the box and stopping Derrick Henry. So um, mm -hmm. easier said than done sometimes, but that's part of the reason I like the Packers. Yeah, no, I dig it, and I think you're right. As bad and as, I guess, just vulnerable as this Green Bay defense has been, at least you're going against this Tennessee offense that we keep saying is one-dimensional. Even though Derrick Henry can power through, yeah. you should be able to have the bend-don't-break mentality against him.
Uh, Matt, the play that I did make in this game, and I'm going a little bit different than I usually would, I'm looking at the first half, and I am looking at the total, and I'm going to bet this thing under 20 and a half for the first half at the price of minus 115. So, again, the reason that I like this, and the weather's not going to be too much of a factor, but it is going to be really cold. I think it's going to be under 30s, uh, windier game. So even if they are trying to pass, perhaps it won't be as viable as it could be in other situations. But you look at Tennessee, and I just told you the issues with Green Bay's run defense. They're definitely going to try to establish the run as soon as possible and probably throughout the entirety of the game, but especially in the first half. So they're going to eat up some of the clock, and if they can move the ball, if they can't, that'll keep it moving, and it's not going to be big explosive plays, you would imagine. Conversely, for Green Bay... Yes, Tennessee has a top run defense, but if Matt LaFleur is kind of figuring it out, finally what you and I have been preaching, they won the game and it's because Aaron Jones got involved in the ground effort, try to get that going in the beginning stages of this game. And if they find out it's not working, all right, you'll adjust probably toward the latter stages of the first half or in the second half. So I also think Green Bay will try to get that ground attack going as well, eat up some clock, limit the explosive plays. And Tennessee defensively, honestly, they've done a tremendous job, a lot better than I predicted for this defense. They're limiting opponents to just 7.7 first half points per game. That's second in the NFL. Green Bay limiting opponents to 10.5 first half points per game, which is 10th. So I think this is going to be a ground effort to, at the beginning stages of this game. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be punt, 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 but I think it'll just eat up a lot of the clock. So I bet this one under 20 in the hook at minus 115. Uh, what do you think about that one, Matt? Am I on the right path here? Or is it something you like don't really it. care for one way or the other? Uh, I, I like it. And I was going to say, to if you can find a 41 and a half out there for the game total, put me down for that. I'll play... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet it this way, and I'm trying to find the best numbers out there right now in Vegas. I can't find a 41 and a half. There's got to be. It looks somewhere. like Stations is the only one out by you that has it at uh, right? Beeson's odds page. That's what I'm seeing. Okay, there it is. Yeah, I was looking. I didn't see Stations on there. Okay, which is good because I can play it there. I'm gonna play a half unit on the first half under and a half unit on the game under. Uh, Danny and um, yeah, 41 and a half for the game under is what I was looking to get there. I agree. I think this is going to be a low scoring type of game that's going to be a really uh, run oriented game. And uh, the weather should help keep the score under the total, too. Now, Christian Watkins, uh, the rookie from North Dakota State, stepped up. He had a big game, finally had a big game against the Cowboys. Watson, I should say, had uh, four receptions, 107 yards, and a 58 yard touchdown. You know, I was. Uh, basically screaming for the Packers to draft this kid uh, this year. And he had been a non-factor for the most part up until the Cowboys game. So believe me, I was really happy to see him bust out against uh, Dallas. And uh, hopefully he can continue to do that because the other rookie wide receiver, Romeo Dobbs, is out. The uh, Dobbs has been a real playmaker for Aaron Rodgers. He's from Nevada. And he had been the better of the rookie receivers, no doubt about it, up until the Cowboys game. So uh, I hope Watson is uh, finally going to be become a factor in this uh, Packers offense. But when we're playing the unders in this game, uh, we don't want to see a bunch of big plays. I don't think that's going to. I don't think that's going to happen anyway. Uh, I do think it's going to be a lower scoring type of game that's played on the ground. Uh, so Danny, give me a half unit on the first half under under a half unit on the game under forty one and a half, and I'm going to play a full unit on the Packers. I know three is not the best number. But this thing is probably headed to three and a half. And like you said, yeah. the South Point has gone to three and a half on this game. 
I'll just play the Packers minus three. All right, there you have it. That's what Matt and I are rocking with for Thursday Night Football with the Packers and the Titans. And if you want more coverage for that game, make sure to listen to Prop Watch, also available here on VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast feed. I talk about some of my favorite ones for that primetime game and a list of all the best bets from a multitude of show hosts and guests at VEASAN.com on our Best Bets page. All right, Matt, like you and I always do, we like to do kind of an early preview for the upcoming slate for Sunday, and I, even when Brady and I were looking at this thing on Sunday night, I, I was having trouble finding games that really stood out to me. The, the first one that I asked him, and I'll ask you right now, and I'm, and I'm a little bummed because I've been hesitant to get involved, and I still can for sure, but uh, the Jets and the Patriots, I, I didn't think I would be saying this would be the most interesting one at this point, but here we are. New England opened five and a half. Now it's down to as low as three in some spots. Three and a half seems to be the consensus. So I still could take the three in the hook with the Jets because that's a side I'm kind of inching toward if I'm going to play it. it. Look, New England got the best of them in the first go around, and I ended up betting that game. I can't recall if you did or not. You might have been on it too, but I took the Patriots in that game, and yeah, we cashed, but I didn't feel good about it. Like, Mac Jones was horrendous, and you know, that bet got saved because of the roughing the passer that negated a pick six. Zach Wilson was pretty bad too, but Mac Jones was really bad. And the run offense certainly keeps New England afloat and having Bill Belichick and a good defense. The Jets have that too, right? They have a great defense right now. A good running back crew still, even though Brees Hall is out. A limited quarterback in Zach Wilson, but you're giving me three in the hook yeah. with a team that is certainly live for the playoffs. Second go around against a division opponent. I would be tempted to look toward the Jets. What say you, Matt? I'm kind of leaning Jets too. And, uh, you know, I, I had to write this game up for the VSIN Pro magazine this week. And um, there's a lot of things wrong with the Patriots offense right now. And if you watch that Colts Patriots game, that had to scare you a little bit. Uh, the, the Patriots won that game 26 to 3, but they won it thanks to the Colts being incredibly incompetent. I think yeah. the Jets, who are. Danny, there are two teams in the NFL undefeated on the road. The Eagles and the Jets. Who in the world would have thought the Jets would be 4-0 on the road as we head to week 11, right? Nobody. Uh, so the Jets have played well on the road. With this number ticking up to 3.5 in a couple spots, I think you have to look at the dog in this spot. Here's a, uh, a another trend. Like I said, it doesn't mean a whole lot, but I thought, wow, that's interesting. This is from Joe Osborne on Twitter. He puts up a lot of good stuff. The Patriots are on a stretch where they have gone 110 and 1 against the spread in the home games after a bye. 110 and 1 ATS in home games after a bye. Uh, so I think sometimes the Pats numbers are a little bit inflated because of uh, Belichick and the Patriots' rep re reputation. And obviously they dominated the Jets. And I played the Patriots in the first matchup with the Jets and I got there. Yeah. I got a win with it. But I was also. You know, if you look at the score, it's a little bit deceiving. They picked on Zach Wilson that day, picked him off three times, and there was a, a pick six that Mac Jones threw that was nullified by a penalty, and that would have been a big turning point in the game if that pick six had not been called back. So, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, leaning with you here, and I'm thinking about taking the Jets plus three and a half. Danny, it's a holiday season. I'm in a giving mood. So I'm going to tell you all the uh, teams <laughs> – that are on my list uh, this week. Every team that's on my Let's list has a possible play in the NFL. Uh, Packers minus three is obvious and under uh, the total 41 and a half, we'll say, in that game on Thursday night. 
I've also got Panthers plus 13. Uh, they, these are possible plays. I don't know what certainly I'm going to play yet, but uh, that one, I think you have to still, even though the totals dropped from 47 to 42 because of the prediction of uh, feet of snow in Buffalo, I think you still got to look under 42, and you can probably come back and play over, you know, maybe even 38 if that number continues to drop. So Browns, Bills, I would still look under, even though the total was uh, 42 at several spots in the market. That's not a bad number. Uh, Colts, and I like the Colts uh, when this number was 8.5. Now it's down to 6.5 or 7, so I'm not sure if I'm still going to use the Colts, but that was one that I was really starting to like when I was watching Monday Night Football. But unfortunately, the 8.5 is gone uh, from that one. I kind of like the Giants uh, weighing three against uh, the Lions. Uh, let's see, uh, probably I was going to play the Saints. I had the Saints written down here at minus three, and now the Cooper Cup information comes out. He's going to be done for a long time, which we anticipated. I think the Rams are dead on arrival, uh, but I would um, be careful about laying too many points with the Saints, but that's a side I kind of like. That number's up to four. Uh, Broncos, if you go a two and a half, not three, against the Raiders who are a train wreck right now. And uh, by the way, the Broncos scored a season-high 23 points against Las Vegas in the first meeting. Uh, and this Raiders defense is really bad. A lot of people are ripping Derek Carr, and deservedly so. I think he's played really poorly. Josh McDaniels, he, he could have done a better job this season, no doubt about it. But the Raiders defense stinks, too. And that's one thing that not enough people are talking about. Okay, how about... Uh, move on from the Broncos. I think the Chargers, uh, when they were getting seven, were attractive. Danny, now mm -hmm. it's down to five and a half or six, so I'm not as fired up about uh, the Chargers. Uh, I think the Vikings as one and a half point home dogs to the Cowboys is a possibility. And um, I'm thinking about playing a teaser that involves the 49ers on Monday night, but I just got to figure out what to play it with. So that Monday night game in Mexico City knocked the Patriots 49ers down from minus eight to minus two. But I, the problem for me right now is I got to figure out what to pair it with. I feel really good about the Niners in that spot. All right. So going back on some of the things you said, um, I do like that Giants angle against Detroit. I, I'm still fuming that the Bears lost that game. I get that the positive side of that is that they're going to get a better draft pick, but I still think it's a slight indictment on your coaching staff if you're blowing 14-point leads at home against a crap Detroit Lions team. So that's inexcusable. I honestly, yeah, I'm salty because I bet them, but also it's just like <laughs> you can't have those losses in the NFL. It's, right. it's, it's absurd, but uh, I digress. So I do like the Giants in that game. I don't mind the Saints because I think the Rams are just awful and, you know, been saying it for a while and been betting against them uh, pretty frequently, whether it's in-game or pre-flop, depending on the situation. The thing that I don't like is trusting Andy Dalton over a field goal. So yeah. uh, laying four, I, I get it. I don't know if I personally will get there, though. And then I was just going to mention Denver and Las Vegas, you know, because you know, it's good content getting you heated about the Raiders every now and then, Matt. So it, I just thought, like, Again, I get that they can't get rid of Josh McDaniels financially, but losing to Jeff Saturday should warrant a coach getting terminated if they were able to do that financially. It's just ridiculous 
for what's been going on with the talent you have in Las Vegas. But Denver from one and a half up to two and a half. Some shops are getting up to three. So if you want to jump in on that, maybe do it sooner rather than later. Uh, Matt, is McDaniels gone after the season? I mean, what do you do with Las Vegas at this point? I know we talked about it last week, but it just gets worse and worse with the Raiders. Yeah, and uh, Michael Lombardi wrote a column about this, and I think Bill Aidey put up excerpts on the VEASAN email, and I agree for the most part with what Michael's saying. Uh, I'm pissed off about the Raiders too because I've lost a couple bets on them, a couple big bets on them when they've blown these you know, 17-0, yeah. 20-0 leads. And I'm irritated. And when you uh, when you lose bets like that, you want to see heads roll, and uh, and you want some payback. But here's the deal: you got to kind of step back and assess the situation with a level head. And there are a lot of different things to consider here. First of all, and money is always going to be a big consideration. Mark Davis is not one of the richest owners in the NFL, and I don't know what the financial separation agreement was with John Gruden. And if he's uh, still paying him or not, I was trying to figure that out. Uh, but uh, obviously, there's a lot of legal issues going on there. So maybe that's not a big issue. But do you want to pay off a coach that, who's seven games into it, a long contract? That's not really what you want to do. You made a commitment to him for a reason. Also, you committed to an entire new front office. You were trying to go the Patriots way. You brought in Dave Ziegler as a GM from New England. Uh, McDaniels as a coach. You know, you're 10 games into it. You're going to pull the plug already? Were, were you that wrong in your decision-making? So my, Mark Davis, I think, has got to stand behind his decision and say, I believe, you know, what I did was right, even though the first 10 games have been a disaster. Mike Mayock and John Gruden uh, made a complete mess of recent draft classes. They had a couple hits like Max Crosby, but they had a bunch of misses. And that's a problem, too. You know, this we talked about... Uh, Positive luck in uh, in close games last season. The Raiders had it. They went 10-7. and seven. They made the playoffs. They won a bunch of close games. They had a bunch of comebacks. There was going to be some regression this year. That's what everybody expected. Now, the regression's been over the top. The blown lead's been inexcusable. But I think you have to give McDaniels at least one more year. you got to let he and Ziegler run this draft. Uh, you got to figure out what to do with the quarterback spot. Right now, Danny, if somebody's head's going to roll, to me, it's Derek Carr. And, and the Raiders can get out of his contract relatively cheaply. I think there's a buyout at the end of this season for around five or six million, and they can move on from Derek Carr. I, I know Carr was emotional and he was crying after the game a Sunday. Nobody cares about this. You know, people don't care as much as I do. You got to play better, man. Derek Carr has not been very good at all in the first half of the season. Not like he's been terrible, but he has not been sensational in any of these games. Carr's got to play a lot better. You can't uh, point fingers and blame other people all the time when things go wrong. As a quarterback, you've got the ball in your hands the majority of the time. you got to make something happen. And that's why I get tired about Aaron Rodgers pointing fingers, blaming people too. When the Packers win, he wants all the credit. When they lose, you go blame the coach or other people. Uh, receivers not running the right routes, throw other people under the bus. The quarterback's got to you got to take a lot of the credit and a lot of the blame. you got the ball in your hands. you got to make plays. you got to go out there and win games in the fourth quarter. The Raiders have had chances and drives at the end of games to go down and win, and Carr can't get it done. I think Carr's the biggest problem right now. The, the, yeah. def the defense is an issue, too. They can't stop anybody. The, the, you know, And that comes through. you got to do a better job of drafting. They just released Jonathan Abram, who was a first-round pick. Uh, he was 
uh, a big problem in the secondary. So I think there's a lot of issues here. Now, I'm not letting Josh McDaniels off the hook. I don't think he's done a very good job. And there are some serious questions about whether or not he's going to be a successful head coach. But you can't pull the plug right now for all those reasons I talked about. Give him one more year. Hey, if we're sitting here at this time next year talking about the same stuff, then he's gone. But you do have to give him some time. You have to show a little patience. And you had a plan. you got to stick with it if you're Mark Davis. Fair enough. Yeah, Derek Carr, the root of a lot of these problems, doesn't have an ounce of a clutch gene in him. It doesn't matter who they're going against, what the situation is. The guy refuses to play well in the fourth quarter. And I know you've gotten uh, stuck on the bad end of uh, some of those atrocious beats. I was stuck in that Jacksonville one. I know you were too. But uh, luckily, that's really the only bad one I've had with the Raiders. But man, that team is just... A bundle of crap right now, to put it nicely. Um, uh, Matt, I, I do want to briefly, unless you have anything else after this, just I had one more thing for you. With Jeff Saturday and the Colts, I know you said you were kind of eyeing Indianapolis. They're catching seven right now at home against Philly. Whether it's this game or beyond, how do you look to bet the Colts with Saturday as their coach? I mean, not as much of what he's doing on the field, but is this a, a, a sort of thing where it's just – a good refresher, like a restart for the Colts and that these guys are really going to fight for him and buy in for the small period of time. Could there be a resurgence there or are we, do we maybe need to slow our roll because the Raiders are just that bad? Well, the Raiders are that bad, but I, I love this Jeff Saturday situation as a better. I absolutely love it because every last week, everybody in the world's ripping the Colts or calling the Saturday a disgrace to the coaching profession and the more that stuff went on all week, I knew I was going to bet the Colts mm -hmm. against the Raiders because you got to go against public opinion when it's that strong on one side. And I said, I fully expected the Colts to show up and play a big game and <laughs> have a great shot to beat the Raiders on Sunday because everybody in the world was ripping the Colts for the Jeff Saturday situation. And the NFL, man, if you bet against public opinion when it's that strong, you're going to do pretty well. Uh, here's the thing. We, uh, I was talking with Will Hill of VSEN about this over the weekend. Everybody makes out, not everybody, most people make out these NFL head coaches to be uh, rocket scientists or brain surgeons. Uh, very, very few of these guys are actually really that sharp. And um, you can bring in a cheerleader like uh, Jeff Saturday. He can just kind of rally the organization, put people in the right spots. You can hit the reset button and things can work. You know, he doesn't have to walk in and be Bill Belichick. Uh, and the fact that he switched, he got the organization to, I don't know if it was Jim Irsay he had to go with, to go to and get approval or what, to go, going back to Matt Ryan was a big deal too, uh, because I think that was a big boost. Sam Ellinger stunk when he was in there and he knew when Matt Ryan got his next chance that he was going to, he was going to play with some fire, uh, because he's down to his uh, last chance and he was embarrassed by being benched. So I think Saturday made a really smart move there and, uh, Every, you know, the importance of a, a head coach to the point spread, Danny, you take Frank Reich out and you put uh, you put Jeff Saturday in and the number actually dropped from like six to four. Wow. <laughs> so what 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 is the uh, what is the issue? I know it's embarrassing for Josh McDaniels to lose to a guy who was an ESPN analyst last week, but he didn't lose to C Stephen A. Smith. He lost to a guy who was a former Pro Bowl center who'd been spent his entire life in the league. And uh, I don't think it's that difficult to step into that job and do a, do a good job short term. You know, you watch Matt Nagy operate in Chicago the last four years. I, 
there was a popular guy in Chicago back in the 80s called Bozo the Clown. Remember when he had that show on WGN? <laughs> yeah. uh, Bozo the Clown could have had could have had more success as a head coach than Matt Nagy did of the Bears. He was after his first year. He had a good first year. After that, he was a, a complete cluster. Uh, I don't think the coach is that important all the time. The, the way people handicap it, like, oh, there's no way McDaniel's going to lose to Jeff Saturday. Why not? Why not? Why can't he lose to Jeff Saturday? Uh, I, I think there's a lot of people who could step in and do a good job as an NFL head coach on a short-term basis. So uh, I thought that whole situation was comical. And uh, as a better, sometimes you got to try to capitalize on that. Most definitely. And, hey, by the way, like we said, they're catching seven and – Philly is coming off that loss, so you're expecting a bounce back, but they also lost their type, uh, top tight end in Dallas Goddard. He's going to be out for, I think, three to four weeks at yeah. least, uh, suffering that injury against the Commanders. So uh, we'll see how Philly can bounce back and if they can and if this is kind of a revitalized Colts team under Jeff Saturday. But much to look forward to, especially for Thursday night. Big shout-out to Matt for always hopping along. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at MattHumans247. As for myself, at DannyBurke5. So if we have any additional plays, check him out, VSIN.com. Best of luck to all you folks. Big shout out to Matt. Take care and enjoy the Thursday night game.